0: Welcome to the Reflections of the Savior podcast. Uh, This is Josh Hill. I'm here with Chris Mock, John Wiggins, and Alex Cowan. And um, today we're going to be talking about the doctrine of election. Now, before you turn the podcast off, and think we're a bunch of crazies, uh, we want to first kind of give you an idea of what it is that we're talking about. So first, we're going to define election and define the doctrine and just talk about what that is in the context of Scripture. And secondly, um, we're going to kind of tackle some common objections that are found to the doctrine of election, again, through the lens of in the context of Scripture, uh, and then we'll also talk about grace as it applies to everyone, both believers and non-believers. But uh, as we kick off today, uh, I'm going to pass it over to John, and he'll get us started on the doctrine of election.
1: Yeah, and uh, we <clears throat> we teach this doctrine because uh, it, it uh, we've we've always taught it. Really, I mean, uh, Brother Jimmy taught it, uh, and. Um, he spoke of election, and because it's a Bible thing, I mean it's Bible words. Uh, it is uh, God has been choosing a people from uh, from Genesis onward uh, to be a people for Himself, and and so um, we've seen uh, that throughout Scripture. Uh, as far as election goes, I think Grudem gives a good definition. Does anybody have that definition? Uh, here, here we go. I'll get it right here. Uh, it is basically. Uh this this is his definition. He says <clears throat> um it's an act of God before creation in which he chooses some uh people to be saved not on account of anything foreseen or merit in them but only because of his sovereign good pleasure. Uh <clears throat> I think that's a pretty good definition. I don't think it's exhaustive and I don't think it's uh um you know but it's it's good i think it's in keeping with what scripture teaches
0: and as with any you know doctrine like that if you try to be exhaustive oftentimes you can get into heretical thinking like when we talk yeah. about the trinity we can't go too far into it because there's an aspect of mystery about it uh, and if we try to explain away those mysteries we can usually get ourselves in trouble
1: right and we can get to a point through different roads you yes. know even yeah. we can agree in, on a, on one thing and we can take roads different roads to get there Uh, But Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, notice this is is clear, Paul is speaking to a, a progression here. He says that those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Those he predestined, he also called, those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. And we take great comfort in those words because the good news is that those whom God calls—and that's a special—that's uh, that's a picture of special His special grace, His special calling, effect effectual calling uh, is what Grudem calls it. Uh, the effectual call, which is a call that um, is responded to positively. It involves. God's sovereignty and our responsibility in a positive way to the gospel. uh, That effectual call will always work toward glorification. Our we will be glorified. Those of me effectually called, he he will glorify uh, in in the end. And and uh, and that's good. That's good. That's comforting. And uh, we we know that is uh, gonna. We're gonna talk about that in just a little bit. But. Um, that is how we define we, we think about election. I, th- I think throughout this conversation we'll grow in our understanding, but we want to be biblical about it. We don't want to we don't want to say, hey, well, what does election mean to you? Well, that, that's not what we want to do. We want to really make sure that how we think about this is is coming straight from Scripture. And uh, and so, <clears throat> first question here uh is that is god's choosing a people his election based on foreknowledge his foreknowledge of their faith why or why not obviously the, the definition i read uh would would be problematic for it being based on foreknowledge so one of you guys talk about that chris go ahead man <laughs> i'm calling uh, on so up.
2: so it really comes down to it says you know the d- Is it based on God's foreknowledge of us choosing, essentially? Um, And so the question is who is sovereign over the choice to believe in Christ for salvation? Is it God or is it us? Do we save ourselves or does God save us? And so to say God is just has this foreknowledge of knowing that we, as the sovereign actors, will choose. Um, is not a biblical way of talking about salvation. It's, it's God. And even practically, we talk about when somebody gets saved or somebody is drawn to salvation, we say, man, the Holy Spirit was working on them or was drawing them to God. We, we talk about that practically. We actually feel that when we come to know God and know Christ and that it's God acting on us, not us acting on God. And so, yes, God foreknew it was in that passage, but it's because He chose to act on us, not us to act on on him Mm -hmm. yeah that's a good that's a good thought uh um he
1: he did he saved us therefore he gets the glory uh i think is the way i think about that sort of uh picture even going back to romans 8 that we read um what about um uh we've already spoken to how it comforts us uh uh how, how could we comfort someone with this doctrine I think uh, and I, I shared this earlier with these guys and you know what one of the things I remember uh, a, a person coming to me and he was really struggling for a good amount of time and you just saw continue I mean his salvation was such a struggle um, uh, over the years it was constantly you know he would he was so emotional and uh, in he would have a he, he would he would repent of his sins and then and then he would fall into sin or he would sin, or he would have some kind of sin happen in his life, and then he would he would go back to God and repent of his sin again and supposedly quote get saved again obviously he didn't um uh because what we said is if when God effectually calls you, he will in the end glorify you, and there is no one who is effectually called and not glorified there's none and so uh <clears throat> and what we're talking about there is is that uh, if God does save someone, you're saved. Like you're saved from not just your sins uh, from the past, but your, but your present sin and your future sin. And, and so uh, this is, it was a difficulty for this guy. And, and one of the things that, that election helps us and brings comfort to us in is that, listen, um, you repented, you trusted in Christ, uh, you know Jesus, you're walking with God. Um, he's not going to lose you. He's the one who's sovereign over it. And he doesn't need, Jesus is not going to die again to, to save you. <laughs> you know, like he, he's the hero of it all because he came, he died, he was buried, he rose again. And uh, your salvation is is. Sure, mm-hmm. and we can have assurance of our salvation. That's why we have John tells us
3: doctrine sure. of eternal security. Mm-hmm. So we believe, I think there's two other aspects that bring comfort, especially to me in ministry, which is preaching and evangelism. Um, mm-hmm. If I did not believe that God was sovereign over salvation, how could I get in the pulpit and preach? Mm-hmm. Because if I believe that me doing a good enough job is going to make other people in that moment choose God, well, what if I make a mistake? Mm-hmm. What if my application isn't really great that morning? I don't really get people's attention. What if my explanation's off? What if my application's off? What if I don't give a really good invitation and someone never chooses God that day? What if, what if I, I'm so scared in sharing the gospel with other people because I believe if I, do, if I make a mistake in sharing the gospel, then, then that's it. They're going to go to hell. Mm-hmm. Because when God is not sovereign over salvation, We like to think that we are sovereign over salvation and therefore that's a huge amount of pressure on us Mm -hmm. um, and sharing our faith and preaching the word whereas when we believe in the doctrine of election we believe that god is sovereign over salvation therefore we're just faithful and god is going to be the one at work
2: Yeah. yeah have you ever heard of somebody doing their own open heart surgery and transplanting their own heart can't do that, right? Mm -hmm. God removes the heart of stone, gives us the heart of flesh, Mm -hmm. and so... He's not going to remove the flesh and give us a stone again. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That's just not who he is. And so we, that, and that's the yeah. way the Bible describes salvation is this total transformation and change. Born again, new creation, new heart, new person.
1: Born again. Yeah, I think that's great words. We go to uh, John 3 for that and, and the story of Nicodemus and Jesus making it abundantly clear. The spirit moves however the spirit moves, you know, uh, and if we're born again, we're born again to a new and living hope uh, with a new heart, uh, with Christ in us. He, he comes, he's sealed, we're still with his spirit. I mean, this is the language of the Bible, you know, uh, that confirms and gives us
0: comfort uh, in, in our salvation. Absolutely. And as the author and perfecter of our faith, the author, the initiator, the one who mm-hmm. takes care of things, if we place ourselves in that driver's seat for even an instant, um, I mean, the onus for taking care of the car is on us, right? Um, but as the author and perfector of our faith, as the one who is sovereign, um, the reality is that we can't lose control of something that we never had control of in the first place. So mm-hmm. Christ holds us fast, and we can't pull away from Him. He holds us fast. So uh, as far as
1: if that's the case, then we would we would say that His his grace is given to us not on the not on not because of good things he sees in us and and so it's uh in that sense it's not on a condition based in me it's not God doesn't save a people that are really nice people or really kind people or really giving people Uh, uh he saves us by his grace to good works and we will do good works because of his grace but we don't we don't get his grace because we did good works. Uh, and I think that's, that's what we we're seeing in, in, in this next question. Uh, and, and I think it's that Abraham is the one who comes to mind. And I think of Abraham as a pagan who was, uh, you know, worshiping false gods. Mm-hmm. And what did God do? Well, he, he, he called Abraham mm-hmm. and he effectually called him. Because Abraham responded positively to that calling, and he, uh, and and because of that, uh, it was his faith was a, uh, his righteousness was accredited to him because of his faith, right? And accounted him because of that. And so, uh, that's what we say when when we think about uh, this picture of of this unconditional kind of this, that phrase. Sometimes a hot button word, but but it really just means that. God didn't save me because I'm nice or kind or benevolent. He saved me because he's gracious, mm-hmm. and, uh, and that's that alone. Um, uh, and that's the basis for uh, his choosing is, is uh, his grace and glory, what we, we said earlier. What are some things that kind of people say to refute this, Because, and which I think a lot of them have their roots in pride um, and not being autonomous from God? Uh, what what are some things that you typically hear people say? I- I'll, uh, one, I- I'll let y'all respond to some of these. If election's true, then evangelism is meaningless. That's what some would say.
0: Well, I think Alex handled that one pretty well just a minute ago, talking about how if the onus for evangelism and salvation is on us, that's a lot of pressure that, quite frankly, we can't bear. I mean, if, if we share the gospel incorrectly or give one little thing, you know— why would we risk sharing it wrongly and someone not getting saved? That seems to be even more of a... Yeah, crisis.
3: election seems to be the opposite. It seems to give us the confidence in mm-hmm. sharing the gospel. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. J- just as God in creation was sovereign over the physical things he created and chose to, for whatever reason, <clears throat> make a sun, this giant nuclear reactor in the middle of our solar system, which gives light and heat and energy... That's the way He chose to bring those things about in our world. The way He chose to bring about salvation is through us, as His instruments, to share the gospel. And so, it's a command and a call for us. And that's how God does it: is through us mm-hmm. sharing the gospel. So, um, the, ca- the belief in election it, like increases your your calling, your understanding of that command that you are the one God has chosen to go and do this. You're an ambassador. Um, you're the one who's been given the ministry of reconciliation by God to go and to do. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I think the economy is of salvation is kind of seen in the, in the parable of the sower you know, when when we are the casting of seeds, we are yep. sharing the gospel, and we're throwing that seed. And it is God who makes soil fertile and uh, and and makes hearts receptive. and And it is His work upon the hearts of men that that uh, that does that work and creates fertile soil. And we know that fertile soil always produces. And I prayed that right. exact right.
2: prayer this morning
0: yeah. about someone. You yeah. know, that, mm-hmm. that exact same thing. And, and, yeah. and as we cast the seed, you know. It's it's the seed that is cast as our obedience, sharing the word, and then God, through our sharing of the word, waters the soil and and makes the so- soil fertile. So you know it's it's that idea that we are like Chris said, an instrument of salvation, far far from it um, being responsible. For it. I think
3: you see also in <clears throat> when Jesus uh, in in the Gospels. Who are his followers? Who are the people he is choosing to be his disciples? They're like the waifs and strays of society. They're the people with no influence on society. They're people who are looked down upon. If evangelism was going to be their ability, you wouldn't choose those people. Mm-hmm. They were Nobody would listen to them. Mm-hmm. They, a lot of them were uneducated. A lot of them didn't know enough about the Bible to be rabbis, therefore they were fishermen. <laughs> That's right. And... Mm-hmm. <laughs> these people were able to change the world for Christ because it wasn't them in control. It wasn't them who were sovereign over salvation. It was God, and God is working through them. So it's I think it's an encouragement for us in evangelism that if Jesus can use a bunch of uneducated fishermen from Galilee, he can use us. Why? Because it's him who's in control, and it's him that's who's right. in power.
1: Yeah. You know, some people say that election means that we do not have a choice whether we accept or, or or do not accept Christ, and that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we obviously... Uh, we, we know that human responsibility, our, we have a responsibility uh, and, and apart from somebody responding to the gospel they will bear the punishment for their sin, they will pay for their sin in full uh, by, through the wrath of God but uh, but the, the, the reality is um, <clears throat> you know, there are, I think the question for me after that moves to what about the person who's never heard well obviously they're, they need special revelation, they need the gospel uh they need this, this, they need sowers sowing seed right i mean um and uh because it's only through the seed of the gospel that people can will repent and believe and and god certainly works supernatural i think in some situations too for that uh if that be the case even when people aren't you know able to get to people through dreams and other things to to uh point them to the go- the gospel um but we have a we have a responsibility as Christ followers to be about the mission so that so mm-hmm. that uh the good news is is good news because good news is only good news if it's in time right mm-hmm. i mean mm-hmm. I, that's that's a expression i've heard and i think right on um absolutely uh so um so is is it fair uh, is it unfair and you know i think probably I would. I think the Romans 9 picture would be the one that I think when God himself deals with fairness, he says uh, in chapter 9, verse 20, who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Well, what is molded say to its molder, why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of some uh, one vessel for honored use, another dishonorable use? What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels vessels of wrath, prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory. Even us whom he called not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. Uh, I think that that's all we, uh, that's does away with that problem. And, and, <laughs>
0: and two, you know, um, we say, well, that's unfair. Trust me. You don't want it to be fair. That's right. If, if it were fair, everyone, everyone mm-hmm. is damned eternally, to hell, because we have been tainted by sin. If it were fair, that's what would happen to everyone. But God in His divine grace and mercy and love has acted to save His people.
2: It was not fair for Jesus, the only innocent person that has ever lived, to die on the cross for you. It's not about fairness. It's about grace and mercy.
1: What about the verse that says... uh, and I, I think the question is not worded well here, it's not, uh, the word will shouldn't be used, it should be desire, but the Bible teaches that God desires to save everyone, that's what the Bible says, it's, it's thelema, is the Greek word there, which means desire, desire, not will. So, the Bible teaches God desires to save everyone, <clears throat> um, and they, that's First Timothy 2, 4. Know, uh, so, we know that everyone's not saved, there's no universalists in this little this square here uh of conversation that that believe that everyone's going to get saved doesn't matter if they believe uh in the finished work of Christ or not you know so we we don't we don't believe that um so <clears throat> what is the deal then uh if God desires to save uh everyone is he incapable of that uh I would say um certainly that's not the case uh he is powerful and mighty to save and he is capable of of anything in fact the scripture says he does what he pleases right so how is how is he does what he pleases in isaiah fit into god desires everyone to save everyone and yet he doesn't he doesn't do that um i i think for me and i'll, I'll you guys can can elaborate on this um, but for me, obviously that's not utmost in his desires. Like there's other desires that come before that, and I would say his glory is one of those things. Uh, uh, but what's preeminent in his desires is not that he saved everyone. If it was, he would have, but but uh, um, but his glory is is utmost there. It's preeminent and uh, and so. Um, uh, not everyone is being saved and we see that and and that's uh, That that breaks our hearts when we see people not repent and believe in the gospel uh, um, But it doesn't mean that he, God's incapable of saving uh, It simply means that what's up most in the affections of God and the desire of God is his his glory uh, and And he gets glory He's gonna get glory He's going to, um, whether we respond or not. Um, that's what Scripture says. I think in Romans 9, best. Mm-hmm. You guys can elaborate on that mm-hmm. more.
3: <laughs> it's similar to 2 Peter, which says, uh, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count kind of slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very similar language there to 2 Peter. Sure.
1: Yeah, and, and I think that speaks to the heart of God, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, God's heart, his love for people, he does, does he does, he does yeah. want you to repent and believe, if you hear this, hear this podcast, uh, you know, know this, God desires your salvation, it's, it is his heart for, for you to know him, mm-hmm. <laughs> and to love him, and to receive the gospel, and yeah, uh, for you to repent mm-hmm. of your sin, and repent, uh, repent of sin, believe, um, absolutely, uh, so... Um, So let's talk about a couple more questions here and then we'll be done. How is uh, God's love for unbelievers different uh, than love for believers? Um, And I I would say it's not very different. Um, That's the question here. Uh, I would say God's love, uh, God made his love known through the cross and all people can look to the cross and know that they're loved and, and, uh, um, and know that they're loved Sacrificially to the,
0: to the point of death.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, no greater love hath man than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. What John fifteen tells us. Uh, and
0: even more, <clears> while we were yet sinners, <throat> while we were yet enemies <throat> of God, Christ died for us.
1: That's right. Absolutely. And Rom- Romans five eight makes that abundantly clear. So, uh, uh, God has a deep love for all people. Um, uh, does. Um, <clears throat> Uh, what about the command to love your enemies and, and that picture? Uh, like, um, how does that, I think you just, you just quoted a scripture about how God loves people who are enemies sure. <laughs> so much yeah. so that he laid down his life. Yeah. So I, don't, I, think, uh, I think it's abundantly clear that God does love uh, those who are opposed to him even. Um, <clears throat> uh, what about, um, uh, does an unbeliever do everything sinful Explain your answer in relation to common grace.
0: What do you think about that, Chris? Uh, have we no. talked about? Sorry, Chris. Have we talked about kind of the difference? I don't think we've elaborated in the of what common yet. grace is. Of what common, common grace. grace is? Mm-hmm. So can we can we just briefly give a an a definition for that? Um, I think John John's going to pull open the, the book and talk about that. But I think um, you know common grace is what we see that is grace that is uh, given and applied to all of creation it
2: is the rain falling on the just and, and the, the unjust. unjust yeah yeah absolutely. that's that's a, that's well said I and that's mm-hmm. a good
0: definition and you know um special grace or like what john would say and what Wayne gruden would say is effectual grace is a grace that is uh salvific in nature a grace that leads to salvation sanctification glorification uh that that is provided for believers mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: We see it in uh, passages like Second Peter 3, 9, the is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but he's patient. Like uh, we see common grace and patience. Uh, mm-hmm. We see it in um, living and breathing the air that we breathe. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we would attribute uh, all of that uh, to his grace. Uh, the, the not receiving the punishment we deserve right now, right this second, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, for the unbeliever, mm-hmm. um, grace you know uh, so that's not, what I would uh, say would not be.
0: receiving death Thanatos mm-hmm. uh, ultimately right away you know when Adam and Eve were in the garden God said you shall surely die and not receiving that death right away but to quote R.C. Sproul to live another day and another and to be clothed in their nakedness and to be given even grace in the form of a physical death that yeah. would not force them to live in their sin in a sinful world in perpetuity mm-hmm. so that's
2: common grace and the question being
1: is uh, does an unbeliever do everything sinful and evil the answer to that question is no, no. I mean right. there, there, we are, there are people who do kind acts right. you know mm-hmm. and, and we, all the time we would say
2: there are people in, in air quotes are good people Like we know people who aren't believers, who do good things, who are kind, who we would say, hey, this person's nicer than some Christians I know. And, you know, maybe talk like that. So, no, people don't do everything as bad as they could all the time. But are we bent toward that?
1: Yeah, yeah. And I would say that good to define the difference or make a distinction between the goodness we, we kind of see and, oh, that's a good deed, so they're good. Is fundamentally different from what Scripture says is good. Right. It's, it's, when Scripture says goodness, it is 100% like uh, righteousness. Righteous. It's a word attributed to good.
0: And when we talk about good in, in the worldly sense, it's the imprint of morality that's left over from our creation. It's mm. what we know in our conscience and when we know in our spirit is good. There's something written on our hearts, deep There's, inside. They're still of made, us. In the of they're made in the image of God. We're made in the image of God. Yeah, that's good. Um, but kind of what we eight? talked about earlier was the: um, Does an unbeliever do everything sinfully and in an evil way? No, but at the same time, all of unbelievers and all of humanity has the capacity to be totally evil, right? Um, we don't have the capacity to be, as John was talking about, totally. Righteous, mm-hmm. so like anybody could be Hitler, nobody can be Jesus but jesus, mm-hmm. so we we get into that um you know when you put it in a way like that, it seems like oh well that's pretty hardcore, but no I mean it just is what it is mm-hmm.
1: yeah i i think uh uh the verses here that come to mind uh, let's we'll uh um we'll move to this this verse in ephesians one uh it says in ephesians one three through six um Uh, from me would be you know we 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 do see common grace common grace is God's patience it's wrapped up in his patience It's wrapped up in his his uh, not punishing sin immediately it's also wrapped up in in what every person experiences when they breathe God's air they live on this earth and they experience you know good things in, in that uh um, maybe not in 2020, but, you know, every other year, <laughs> but, uh, uh, but, but that type thing is what we're talking about there, but certainly common grace is different from special grace, and, and that being uh, for God's, God's grace that he, uh, that he extends to those who repent and believe in the gospel, and who uh, we know that all of those uh who repent and believe the gospel who receive his grace are people who he effectually called uh by softening their heart by by the new birth of regeneration uh and um and those whom he called will be glorified in the end they will be with god forever and we know that because he he sanctifies uh them until that point um and he perseveres them until that. He's, he justifies us once and for all right uh um, through the the shed blood of Christ on Calvary's cross. so uh, that is good and that and we, we, we see that and we go, man, that offers to me uh, comfort and um, hope and hope because if it was mess upable, I would mess it up. but God, who is sovereign uh, has has accomplished this from from beginning to end.
0: Absolutely. Well, thanks again for joining us on uh, what we know is kind of a difficult topic today. But um, if you have any questions about anything we've talked about today, as always, every week, we'd love to talk to you about it. Uh, We'd love for you to get connected with us um, through our website, through our Facebook page, uh, on YouTube. We have several of our sermons available. um, But we would love to talk to you. We'd love to get connected with you. And um, until we see you again, we love you and we are praying for you.